All right, so if you have your Bibles, please would you turn to Colossians chapter 3. Next week, we are going to have our children's home, our Aces Haven, leading our service. It's called our Family Sunday, what used to be known as Orphan Sunday. We have a heart for adoption and seeing the orphans in our nation taken care of, so please join us next week for that. And then the Sunday after that, I'll be starting a new sermon series called Church Around the Table, which I'm really looking forward to taking us through all the way up to our Christmas production, and then we'll do something along the lines of Christmas. It doesn't look like we'll be closing any services for the rest of the year. We'll keep pushing through because I think Christmas is on a Monday this year. So we'll still have a service on the 24th, just a one-hour service, and then we have our one-hour Christmas service on the 25th. So if you're all in Colossians chapter 3, let me just give you some context to this passage. Paul is talking about removing some clothing to put on some new clothing, As a follower of Christ and as a disciple of Jesus, we are called to live differently to those that are in the world. And he's going to, in a moment, talk about clothing that we are supposed to put on. And we are supposed to wear this clothing because we are supposed to look different to the world versus looking exactly the same. So he tells us in Colossians chapter 3 to take off greed and lust and all these fleshly things of our flesh that he tells us do not belong to us now that we are followers of Christ and we are to clothe ourselves with this new clothing. So verse 12 says, says this, since God chose you to be a holy people, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Another word for that is compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. One thing about God's Word is sometimes when you read it at face value, it just seems quite simple. But when you actually try and say, okay, God, how do I apply this to my life? It becomes very complicated and challenging. Clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with patience. Clothe yourself with kindness and gentleness. How many of you would like to exhibit more of those values like patience and gentleness and kindness and compassion versus some of our irritability and the way that we are so quick to react and often we just walk away going, I wish I didn't say it that way. I wish I didn't use those words. I wish I wish I was different. And he tells us that by his spirit, God changes who we are on the inside, and then we're supposed to look and behave differently. So one of the things that he challenges us to do is forgive anyone who offends you. And every year, I feel convicted to talk about this topic of offense. And we've been stuck, I don't want to say we've been stuck in Timothy, we've been in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy for quite a period. We weren't originally going to go into 2 Timothy, but we felt to push through. But I want to say that, especially this time of year, offense is something that is easily taken. And I want us to speak openly this morning, because church is a wonderful place 
full of people waiting to be offended by something. <laughs> I love church celebrations. I love church. But honestly, and let's be honest, some of us are more easily offended than others. You don't have to put up your hand if that's you. But some of us are more easily offended than others. So we're going to talk today about the trap of offense. And this word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, which talks about the bait attached to the stick of a snare, hence the snare itself. So as we talk about this celebration in this building, there are traps and snares with bait on all around the place. Even in our prayer meeting, we have people getting offended even in a prayer meeting. <sighs> at the entrance of the door, right here in the front at the tea and coffee section, there are these snares that have a piece of bait attached to it. And I'm going to encourage you this morning that as we examine our hearts and ask God to look at our hearts and examine our hearts to point out any offense that we are currently carrying. Because I can tell you now, we have all offended others, we have all walked in offense, and we have all been offended. And this is something that is very relevant, not just to the world out there, but to us as Christians. The last time I, I spoke about this topic, or we were in this Colossians passage, Fortunately, I got a phone call from someone the next day and said, listen, Paul, I've been feeling a bit weird, like you have been ignoring me on a Sunday and you haven't been coming to say hello, and we've been feeling it like there's this thing, and we've even been wondering, like, do we still belong in this church? Should we start looking for another church? What is actually going on? And fortunately, he phoned me on the Monday to say, I've been feeling this. Is it true? And I was a bit taken back, like, no, like not once have I felt my heart change towards you, and I've, I haven't once intentionally tried to behave like you're saying that I've be, been behaving. Maybe it's because I'm just wired a certain way, and I arrive early for church, and I'm running around, and I'm thinking about all these other things, and I may, be, I may not always be conscious of those around me. And offense is easy to be picked up. So this scandal on always denotes an enticement to conduct which could ruin the person in question. Another uh, version of it in the New Testament that we find refers to it as being a stone or an obstacle that causes one to trip or to stumble or to lose one's footing, to waver, to falter, or to fall down. Now, the enemy wants to see us tripped up. He wants to see us fall. He does not want to see a unified church. He does not want to see a unified marriage. He does not want to see friendships that enjoy unity. He is here to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. So this is a plan of the enemy that wants to trip us up, that wants us to take the bait. Offense is the bait sitting in a snare, and we have the choice to take the bait or not take the bait. How many of you have taken the bait this week? One of the most important things the Bible tells us to do is to above all else, guard our hearts, because out of our hearts flow everything else. So we live from our heart, we love from our heart, we parent from our heart, we manage our money from our heart, we do relationships from our heart. Our words, our actions, our attitudes all flow out of our heart. 
And that's why it was great this morning just to say, God, in this time of taking communion, Lord, what is the state of my heart? Point out anything in me that is offensive to you. What are the areas in my life where I've grown cold or I've got a hard heart or I'm carrying unforgiveness towards someone? One of the main verses when we talk about offense is a a passage in Matthew 18. And I want you to memorize these three principles in Matthew 18. If there's anything I want you to learn today is that when we go on in this Christian journey, I want you to remember these three things. So let's read it together. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a tax collector. A corrupt tax collector, (laughs) which we don't really relate to because we don't have an issue with tax collectors. But in the back in the day, (laughs) when a Jewish brother sides with the Romans and is taxing you more than they're supposed to and they're taking the profit, it becomes offensive when that is a fellow person that you've grown up with. But three things you need to remember about this. When you have fallen for the bait and you have taken offense, the very first thing you are supposed to do is to do what? Go privately and directly to that person. The very first thing you do is you go directly to that person. And if I go to Justin and say, Justin, when I walked in church this morning and I stuck out my hand to say hello and you just walked straight past me, what was that all about? I have to go directly to him. If that doesn't work and he's not willing to listen to me, then I take two or three others with and we can talk about it and engage on that situation. Why do we take two or three others with? Because maybe I'm not seeing it correctly. Maybe I need a third party to help us talk through this issue and maybe also help me on what I did in the situation. Because there's always two sides to a story, right? Sometimes we don't acknowledge what we did in that situation or circumstance. And then if that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. And then we can bring it in front of elders and pastors and church discipline. And then that's quite a hectic thing. But the first challenge, which is the hardest thing, is to go privately to the person that has sinned against you. What I find today is this. Most people bury it. And when I say bury it, they don't overlook it or deal with it. They put it under the carpet and they allow it to fester and ferment and to become, turn into bitterness and resentment and all the fun things that happen when you don't deal with things and you just hide it. And it sits in your heart and it starts evolving. So we bury it. Rather than confronting, we bury. And for most people, if I am to be honest, most of us do not enjoy confrontation. Most of us will always shy away from that awkward conversation that we have to have with that person. 
we will rather just hold it in. The third thing or the second thing that we do is we are then quick to go and speak to someone else about the offense than to the person that we're going to talk with. It is easier to go to my friend, where's Matt, who's turning 40 today? It's way easier for me to go to Matt and say, Matt, when I arrived at church today, you know that pastoral elder Justin? You know, I went to greet him and he walked straight past me. And you know what? I don't know what's wrong with that guy. And it's far easier to get you to hear my side of the story and to side with me and to help me feel better (laughs) than to go to Justin and talk about it. And let's be honest, we all do this. Let's not pretend we do this. My wife offends me and I wanna go and speak to my friend, and talk to my friend about my wife and say love. So we bury it and we go to others. I wanna ask us as a church community, what should we do? Let's make a decision today. What should we do if someone comes to you? So what should Matt do? If I come to Matt talking about an offense that I have with Justin, and Matt knows that I never went to Justin, but I went to you first. Can we make a decision today? What should Matthew do? What should the rest of you do if someone comes and offloads an offense on you and they haven't been directly to the person that has offended you? So Fred is suggesting you tell, Matt must tell me, you have 24 hours to go and speak to that person. If not, I'm going to go tell them about this offense that you've carried. Is 24 hours okay? Should we extend it to 48, 72, (laughs) one week? (laughs) Two days. Listen, this is a democracy here. We are all talking about this together. Two days. Three days. Do I have a fourth? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, if they're in the same place, go immediately. Oh, Marie Claire, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Listen, you've got three hours before it sunsets. The point is this, and we can say, before the sun goes down, or 24 hours, the point is this. You are biblically required to go directly. If you cannot release that person, and you are holding a grudge or an offense, you need to go to them, instead of just running off to your friends and to other people. So let's talk about some of the sources of offense. Those who have been treated unjustly, and many of you have reason to be offended, you have been sinned against, and you have just reason to say, I am upset about this. The second area are those who believe they have been treated unjustly but haven't been. So the person that I was talking about when I come to church early and they felt like I wasn't, something was wrong, I honestly did not carry a grudge or anger, I just, didn't go and say hello to them the way that maybe he thought I should have said hello to him. So maybe you think you've been treated unjustly, but that's your perspective. The other one is unrealistic expectations. 
So I thought about that this week. Man, I have been offended by my friends, and I had to think back to how my friends have offended me. And then I realized I've probably offended my friends too in our journey. My family have offended me. My sisters, I don't know if one of my sisters is here today, but my family has offended me. And I'm pretty sure I have offended them too. My church family has definitely offended me. (laughs) And you continue to do it often. (laughs) And I'm, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that I have offended you too. Willingly or unwillingly, with something I have done or haven't done. We pick up offenses and carry offenses with unintentional events. The other day I heard of a family that left our church, and I was like, why, what happened? And one of our pastors actually knew, and they said, and it happened one Sunday morning before the service, just before the start, I had to run to get something in my car. And while running to my car and back, this family felt like while they were walking into church that I completely just ignored them. And they were like, a pastor should always stop and greet properly. They felt like I just completely disrespected them. And they moved on. I unintentionally, while running to my car to get something, did not stop and say, hey, good morning. Welcome to church. So we have unintentional events. And then we have another person's offense. And this one is a result of my illustration with Matt. Because guess what? Matt is now holding an offense against Justin. Second-hand offense. Yes, that Justin that always just thinks about himself and his coffee and he doesn't (laughs) greet people and he's supposed to be this pastoral elder. How many of you are carrying a second-hand offense? How many wives are carrying a second-hand offense that your husbands maybe moved on from and you are still holding it? How many of you husbands are (laughs) towards another lady in the church because they did something to your wife and you haven't let it go and you're still holding on to that offense? Someone said, an offense is taken, not given. This person's quote says, he who takes offense when no offense is attended is a fool. And he who takes offense when the offense is intended is a greater fool. Offense is taken, not given. Which means this. It doesn't matter what people do to you or how they treat you. You have a choice on how you're going to allow that to affect your heart. I'm either going to take that bait in that snare or I'm going to overlook it and show love and grace and move on from it. Unfortunately, we are too tempted in our flesh to take the bait because we all carry insecurities, we all carry a past, we all carry things in our lives Hurts from other situations and circumstances. And sometimes, if you've been hurt, badly hurt by another pastor, it is very easy to just be hurt again by this pastor. Because we carry things, unfortunately, from our past. But most of the time, it's those closest to us 
who offend us and hurt us the most or most severely. Psalm 55 verse 12 to 14 says, it's not an enemy who taunts me, I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me, I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. It is often those closest to us that can hurt us the most. Why? Because I open my heart to those that I love the most. And I put myself in a place of vulnerability to be hurt back by them. So we can either do church a way that says, you know what, we're not really going to love for fear of being hurt, and we will hold people at arm's length, or we're going to unconditionally love one another and risk being hurt by others and disappointed and let down by others. Church, unfortunately, is a place where people have been hurt by leaders. And we see this move in congregations where a leader or a leadership hurt the sheep. And it's one of my saddest things to hear people drifting that have been disillusioned with God now and have been disillusioned with church and Christians because of how they've been hurt by leaders. When you study the life of Jesus, he offended religious Pharisees, he offended his disciples, he offends Mary, and probably if he was senior pastor of this church, he would also offend you. I think sometimes if we're going to really preach the Bible, it will offend you. And there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't be able to sit in this church and go through a sermon series and not be severely challenged by what God's Word says. But I also want to say leaders also are imperfect people. I am imperfect, I don't get it right, and I can give you many stories of how I have not got it right, and people have had to forgive me, and I've had to apologize to people when I have not done it right. So my encouragement today is acknowledge the bait, acknowledge the trap that offense offers you. Fight your insecurities, fight your flesh. You know, if we walk less by the flesh and more by the spirit, I think we would offend less people. But when we walk by our flesh, we have many opportunities to hurt and offend people. What does it mean to walk in step with the spirit? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That's a challenging, that's a challenging part of verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Can we all accept the fact that no one is perfect here? And more than likely, we are going to get it wrong at times. So let us find room to show compassion and kindness and grace to each other. See, offenses are what happened. Offended is our reaction to what happened. 
Offense says you did it. Offended says you, you will never, I'll never forget, forgive it or forget it. Offense is an event and offended is a decision. Can we all agree that being offended is inevitable? But living offended is a choice. Offense is inevitable, but you have a choice to take the bait and carry offense. You can respond to a situation and the circumstances like Jesus did. And um, I've just forgotten his name, Stephen. He's about to be stoned to death. And he's like, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. To be able to acknowledge that we're all broken in some way, we all have a past, we all struggle with things in our lives. God, I wanna show mercy and grace and not just hold on to that offense. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says this, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is in his glory to overlook an offense. I wanna say there are three options today when it comes to an offense. The first one is if you can overlook it. It is to your glory to overlook what Justin did to me, for me to overlook it and to just overlook it in love. The second thing that we can do is I need to go privately and confront you, especially if you keep doing it to me every Sunday. Maybe one Sunday I'll overlook it and show grace, but if you keep doing it to me, then something's wrong. What is wrong, Justin? What is the issue? Can we talk about it? And if we can't get it right, then I said there are other steps. The third option is that I'll allow unforgiveness and bitterness an offense to take root in my heart that will yield a consequence to my life. And even to the point of maybe completely giving up on my walk with the Lord, Christianity, this thing called church, you live with the consequences of it. So for those that have not been listening to me, what is the first response to an offense that we can show? To overlook it in love. I can overlook it in love. The second thing is to do what? Confront in love and privately. And let's not take the third option. And as I said, it can give you a hard heart, resentment, anger, bitterness, disappointment, betrayal, withdrawal, and disillusionment. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. As I said, being a Christian is challenging. A person who cannot forgive has forgotten how great a debt God has forgiven them. When we talk about forgiveness, this is a whole topic on its own. But when we talk about forgiveness, what forgiveness is not in Matthew 18 is this. Forgiveness isn't ignoring or forgetting because we're telling you to go privately and, and address it. Forgiveness isn't condoning or excusing it because you're going and pointing it out and saying, this is what you did. Forgiveness isn't tolerating or allowing further abuse. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're a doormat and you just allow the person to keep doing it. No, you're actually confronting it. And if you can't get them to repent and acknowledge it, then you bring in church leadership. And then if that person still won't, then it's like you kick them out and you treat them like a tax collector and a pagan. 
There is a process of what forgiveness can look like. My heart is always to trust for reconciliation. But for many people, people in your past have died or moved on, and it's very hard to go and meet with that person now. And you have to learn how to release that unforgiveness and that hurt. My encouragement to you today is you forgive because God has forgiven you a great debt. Yes. And he tells you to make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness begins with a decision to release the party who has hurt or disappointed you. Forgiveness is not so much about how much forgiveness they deserve, but it's about how much freedom you desire. Again, if you have been wronged and you have any, every reason to hold unforgiveness, the reason why I want to encourage you to release that person is for your own sake. Dallas, Dallas Willard said this, a person who has the most power over your life is the person you have not forgiven. That person holds a part of you in bondage. One of my favorite quotes about forgiveness, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Forgiveness is not an option in our Christian journey, in our walk. It is a fundamental to being a Christian. You know you work from fundamentals. For forgiving others is just part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we have to learn to be quick to forgive. We have to learn how to, before the sun go da goes down, to deal with it before it takes root in our hearts. And then forgiveness continues with a decision it's not just based on our feelings. So again, in a month's time, I can be in church and I can very quickly re-pick up that offense when I see Justin again. I thought I had forgiven him. A month later, I re-pick it up. Forgiveness has to be a choice where we continually keep releasing that person and showing grace and forgiveness. In our course that we do when we welcoming new people to our church. We say this about our church and our belief about authentic Christianity. It means coming under the loving lordship of Jesus and being joined into a community of imperfect people who are learning to live a new life in a new way. This is what I believe authentic Christianity looks like. We bring ourselves under the loving lordship of Jesus. We submit to him as our master and as our Lord. And we do it with other believers who are also imperfect, who are on the journey of learning how to do this new life in a new way. Which means there will be lots of opportunity for people to be offended. And I say that at the Connect meeting. You can ask Ruan and, and Stasha the other day. You will probably be offended if you join our church. Not just from me, but from others. Our expectation we have on other people, we are imperfect people learning to do this new life in a new way. So can we commit to, in Colossians 3, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony.
Love is this rugged covenantal commitment we have to each other, to each other, for each other, as we both grow into becoming more like Jesus. I'm gonna invite the worship team back onto stage and then we're going to just trust that we can sit in his presence for a moment and think about this verse that we've been repeatedly saying this morning. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I want to do this this morning to close is I wanna give God an opportunity to point things out in our heart that we do not see, or we have ignored, or we have buried. I want to take a moment as a pastor in this church to say, Jesus, come and point out something in my heart where I may be carrying an offense towards someone. I might be carrying hardness of heart, I might be carrying resentment or bitterness in my own heart. And then I'm gonna ask you to come and soften my heart and change my heart. And maybe even this morning, release that person who has wronged me or who has hurt me. I also wanna acknowledge this morning of where I have offended people and how, how I have hurt people. And to also come and repent of that. And we're gonna sing a song that says, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, God. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, I don't carry any bitterness or offense with anyone. Maybe the Holy Spirit's going to come in your mind's eye and come and put a picture of a person who you have not forgiven, where you are holding or carrying an offense. Not just for that, the sake of the person who has wronged you, it is for your sake that you can walk free, not in bondage to that situation or circumstance anymore. Words that people have said about you, things that people have done, the way people have disappointed you, the way they have let you down, 